Today we are very much doing the work of God's church and being his church. And it is an amazing thing when the church comes together to share God's word and gather around the word. We have been reading from Ephesians chapter 4 about unity in the body of Christ. And uh, that unity is expressed in seven different ways, as the author tells us in verses 4 to 6. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. And then he jumps into verse 7. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And the scripture says there, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And just to stop there for a moment and highlight the words in verse 7, each one. To each one. And what does that mean? That means you are in this verse. You are gifted by God's Spirit to do His work. Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it to each one. So I'm going to ask you, do you know what God has given you expressing His grace and the power of His Spirit in His church? Do you know? Discover your grace gift We're going to help you with that now. Christy Gibson is teaching three sessions over these six weeks of Grace Works. We're calling it Grace Works 101. And it is an effort to help everybody in the family of faith here at First Baptist discover, know, and use their gifts in this body. And this is just the beginning. What she is doing now with about 35 people or 40 people, is just the beginning of what we intend to happen in this body as people who belong to this body of believers, young and old, new and long-term, go through grace gifts to discover what God is up to in their lives now as he deploys them in this body. The unity of the Spirit, the unity of faith, baptism and lordship calls you to use your giftedness in the body and everybody's gifted for service now we're about to come on a list of gifts that he gives here in chapter 4 of Ephesians but there are other gift lists as well in 1 Corinthians 12 there are two gift lists 
and they're not exactly identical when you read through them. There's another one in Romans 12. So I'm of the opinion that these lists are not exhaustive, but that God gives gifts to his body in a wonderful, manifold manner, and that you have been gifted to serve in the body of believers. And the task that we have before us is not only to discover our spiritual gifts, but to use them in the body. Now, he talks about Christ and how he apportioned these gifts in the body. So this is the activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. And it talks then about how he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. And it is a picture of the victory train that a conquering general might have as he enters Rome with all of his captives in his wake. I can't read the word captive without thinking about Paul, who has twice now called himself a prisoner. A prisoner, you remember, of Christ Jesus. He starts the chapter out with that term. I'm a prisoner of Jesus. He is later going to call himself the gospel's ambassador in bonds. I can't help but think that Paul envisions himself as one of those captives in the victory train of Christ. That he's been captured by the love and power and salvation of Christ. And that he is the prisoner for Jesus Christ the rest of his life. This is his commitment. This is his purpose. This is his joy. His task, his calling. As it is yours. So when the scripture talks about he led captives in his wake and gave gifts to men, I think Paul takes that personally. You know, this language about ascending and descending is interesting language. Lots of people have made guesses about what it means. But I, I, I think that it is simply this, that Jesus, who was in heaven's throne room, emptied himself, like Paul will say in Philippians chapter 2, humbled himself, descended from the throne room to earth, taking on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being in fashion as a man, he humbled himself even further. This is the lower parts of the earth. This is the lowest of the low. And became obedient unto death. But not just any kind of death. Not an accidental death or a death by natural causes. Even death by execution. Death on a cross. The lowest of the low the lowest place to go. He descended to this lowly place. But then he ascended from that place. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. This is Ephesians 2. His descent in his humiliation and then his exaltation to the highest place and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. When we think about the ascension, we may be like those disciples in Acts chapter 1 who watch him go into heaven and they're all worried about it. And they're thinking, oh no, he's leaving us here. We're being deserted. And there are two angels there that are to give them comfort as they watch Jesus ascend into heaven. And they say to him, why are you stand here gazing up? This same Jesus is coming back just like you've seen him go. So we have the promise of his second coming, which we firmly believe. 
that God is going to wrap up all things in Christ, on the planet, and human history through the physical, visible coming of the Lord Jesus again to the planet. But we also believe that this ascension is part of filling the universe with his glory. And it's just like a a fellow picking up a lantern in a dark room and lifting it up, and the higher he lifts it, the more the light shines until the whole room is filled. And this is what the ascension of Jesus is really all about. He is ascending, this one who humbled himself, became flesh in this body, confined as he was, laying off those confinements again, taking upon himself again the prerogatives of deity, ascending, lifting the lantern high until the whole universe is filled with his presence and his glory, including this room, filled with the presence of Christ so that he can make the promise now after his ascension where two or three are gathered together in my name, what? There am I in the midst of them. You're looking right through him on your way to, on your, in your vision, on your way to me. He is right here. He is present in this room. The ascension is about his filling the universe, including this room, with his presence and his glory and his light. Discover your grace gift. He intends for you to use it to raise the lantern in your own light. Let your light so shine by getting busy in the work he's called you to do and gifted to you to do. And and you know you're never going to be satisfied in your Christian walk until you're doing what he's called you to do. You know that part maybe of your dissatisfaction, your uncertainty about what you're supposed to be doing in the world is maybe you haven't yet really realized how gifted you are by his Holy Spirit and what he intends for you to do. And the light's going to shine from your life when you discover, hey, I've got the gift of service and I'm supposed to be helping in all kinds of ways. Not necessarily in the limelight, but behind the scenes to get things done or I have the gift of mercy. And what really charges me up is to help somebody who's down who just needs to have the love of Christ touch them. And so if I get into the hospitals or the nursing homes or I go see people who are shut in on Wednesday night and take them a meal, it just charges me up. I feel so fulfilled through that. The satisfaction of your life in Christ is largely contingent upon you using the gift he's given you for the common good. Discover your grace gift. Look at verse 11. It was he, that is Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. I'm just going to stop there for a minute, okay? to prepare God's people for works of service. Let me tell you what God is doing with your giftedness. He is preparing and repairing the saints. Now, I like this word that's translated in the NIV, to prepare. 
God's people. In lots of places, it's translated to equip God's people for works of service. In fact, this is the great passage where we get the whole equipping language in the church of Jesus Christ. But it's the word kadartismos. And it's used in a couple of very interesting ways in the New Testament. One of those ways is when Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and he sees Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And what are they doing? What are they doing? They are mending their nets. That's how the old Bible, the King James Version translated mending their nets and it's this word to prepare God's people for works of service it's the same group of words that's used in Galatians 6 1 where it says if somebody falls into a fault in the body you who are spiritual restore it's the word artizo. restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, or with gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, here's what I want to tell you. There's this positive aspect to this word that's about preparing and equipping and getting people ready and training that athlete so that he can do his best and his finest. None of those Olympic athletes are there by accident. In the ancient Greek games, you had to swear that you'd been in preparation for the games before you could be a part. You had to demonstrate that you'd been preparing. And all of the gifts are given in the body. The gift of mercy, the gift of service, the gift of teaching, the gift of prophecy. All the gifts are given in the body to equip, to prepare to train God's people, to repair God's people. And there is this redemptive and remedial aspect to the word that I think, too, is very important. There ought to be healing in the body when a broken saint shows up. It ought to be a place where we come and feel the restoring power in the presence of our brothers and sisters. So that things get bad and they get broken out there in the world. But when you come into the presence of your brothers and sisters, there's a healing that takes place. There's a restoring that happens to you. It's like you're being mended just like those nets by the Sea of Galilee. God is putting you back together in the moment of worship and fellowship with brothers and sisters. I want you to see that as part of your calling with the giftedness God has given you. You're preparing and repairing the saints. God's using you to help broken people. Somebody said a church is more like a hospital than anything else. It's a place where hurting people come for healing. That can only happen if they experience healing when they run into you. In the encounter with you. In the casual encounter with you. In that hallway encounter, in the classroom encounter the parking lot encounter. Everything about showing up at First Baptist New Orleans ought to be speaking, healing, equipping, preparation, training, restoration for all the people that show up here. God uses you that way in the body. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. And so you need to be stationed at the door 
of your Bible study class. And when somebody comes in, they need to see you. You need to greet them. You need to be there because they need encouraged. And some of you have the gift of mercy and you need to lead the prayer time in your Bible class because that touches you when somebody's hurting and you identify with their need. Find a way to connect the needs that are in the body with the giftedness God has given you. Prepare and equip the saints. Now, I want you to notice something. And Christy Gibson taught us this Tuesday. She really did it good. She said, you ministers aren't here to do church work. The work of the church, she said, is done by the saints. I like that. Did Christy come to church today? Is she here somewhere? She's probably escaped to prepare for another session. She's already had one. But I like that. My job is equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And I tell you what, that's what God called me here to do. You remember what my calling is? The Lord called me to New Orleans to help his people shine like stars as they hold forth the word of life. That's what he called me here to do. I like this. Sometimes I tell the ministers, John and Bob and Chris and, and Anna and all of them gathered together. I say, your job is equipping. Your job is equipping. We are here to prepare God's people for works of service. There's no way that a handful of ministers can do what hundreds of the saints can do in the fellowship of faith if we all see the task as ours. If we own the task. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given to equip God's people for works of service. Now that's where the deacons come in too. See, Hal and Brantley were identified by this body as two people who demonstrated a faithfulness to Christ and have already demonstrated a spirit and heart of service. And so they have been installed this morning into the body of service, into the deacon body, which is a body of servants who care for the basic needs of this church family day by day and week by week. We are all then called through the giftedness of the Holy Spirit to use whatever that gift is that God has given us for the common good in the body. Jesus is growing us up. He is maturing us. He is preparing God's people for works of service, as verse 12 says. And then the latter part of that verse is my third point. Verse 12, middle of the verse. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth, how? Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God is maturing the body. We are here preparing and repairing the saints so that the body of Christ may be built up. He is at work, maturing us, making us more like himself. He intends for us to have a unity in our faith and in our knowledge of the Son of God. So we have Bible teaching that helps us understand the scriptures and that we have that happens at 11 o'clock, but also other times in this body where we are seeking to really understand who God has called us to be, who he is, and what we are to do. And we are to grow up into the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what God is up to in your body. This maturing that God intends to do in you is not going to eradicate your personality. God made you uniquely you, and your personality is a gift from him. He created you in his image, so he's not intent on destroying the personality that you have. What he's going to do is maximize who you are for his glory. The maturing process he's at work on in you is changing you, not in your personality, but in your behavior, your attitudes, so that you more fully reflect the person of Christ. The fullness of Christ worked out in you. There are things about you that need change. And God is at work in you, growing you into that, maturing you. Say, you may be as old as me in Christ, all right? God's still working on me. I hope we hadn't quit learning, growing, maturing, perfecting. Elena was jumping on the, the bed here recently. And uh, Okay, do we have a physician? Heavenly Father, we don't know what has happened uh, here, but we commit this uh, one unto you and pray for the intervention of your Holy Spirit on his behalf and that you would... Uh, just uh, heal him and bring about uh, your good purpose in his life. And Lord, we commit him unto you, and we, we thank you for those gathered around who could help. And Father, we pray for wisdom to know what we can do. And guide and lead by your Holy Spirit in this matter. God, we commit him to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Elena was jumping on the bed. She's the three-year-old. She sails off the bed and hits the nightstand right between her eyes. 
and uh, she's got this big gash and there's so much blood all over her that Rachel can't find, her mom can't find the wound. When she discovers Elena, she's laying in the bed covered with blood all over her face and she can't find a wound. She packs her up, she takes her down to the emergency room and it just happened, just happened, that there was a plastic surgeon on duty and that plastic surgeon put eight stitches in Elena's scalp right here between her eyes and uh, right now when you look at her it's been about a week and you can see this red line that goes across here but he's done a perfect job very much unlike when I did the same thing with a rifle I don't know if you know this but every real man in Texas has a scope scar all right and I had the gun and I thought it was on my shoulder and it wasn't and I fired it and it was a high-powered rifle and it just came right back and hit me right between the eyes. And uh, my surgeon laughed the whole way through the operation, putting me back together. I had little bubbles and everything, but I can still see my scar. And I told Elena, hey, this happened to Papa. Papa had this same thing happen. And look, it's all healed up. No problem. You're going to be fine. Well... God repairs the body that way. He fixes the wounds that way. And those who are older in the family are able to communicate to those who were younger, recently injured, hurting and think they will never get over it. At one point, uh, little Elena said in the emergency room, she stopped bleeding, she turned to her mother and said, I guess all the blood's out. And it must have felt like it. We who are older in the body and older in Christ help all of those who are younger understand how wonderful the restorative power of the Holy Spirit and of His church is in the family. And so God is moving us all together toward maturity in Him, leaving nobody behind as He grows us up into the one who is the head even Christ. All these ligaments work together for this common good. God does it for his glory and for our good. And it works as long as the final verse is true, as each part does its work. You see how, it, how the paragraph concludes? As each part does its work. See, it is essential that you do your work in the body. It's absolutely essential for my health, for my good, and for every other person in the body. Every need will be supplied, the Apostle Paul says, if everyone does their work, everyone does their job, everyone is obedient to the Holy Spirit. Now, it is a great task for a family of faith to help people discover their giftedness and then to have the place of ministry into which they can move and be plugged in and feel the fulfillment and become part of the body working together. We are doing that actively right now. We are in the very midst of putting that together so that we call it connections, so that everybody in the body, once discovering their gift, can go to work for the common good. You know what, folks? There have been days when I wished that the work of the Lord was not spelled W-O-R-K. 
Sometimes it's just plain W-O-R-K. Is that okay with you? It takes energy. It takes time. It takes strength. It takes resources to do your part in the body. But you never reach maturity nor connect into the family like you should until you do your part. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we come before you as many different individuals with lots of different needs and gifts. And Lord, we pray that you would help us know what you have called us to do. That we would understand our own personal giftedness, everybody in the room, and that you would deploy us into the church and into your world with that gift. God, that every person in the room would experience the joy and satisfaction and contentment of being able to exercise their giftedness for the common good. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work through the young and the old, longtime members and new folks in their works of service so that each part does its work. God, I pray this will happen. I pray you will bless the ministry of Christy Gibson, that you will bless the structures now in place, that you would fill the ministry needs of care effect and Bible study and discipleship and choir needs and music. God, that you would fill every need through the members of this body with the gifts that you have supplied by your Holy Spirit so that there will be no lack in this body as we do our work, that every person who is sick will experience the love of Christ through this body, that every member who is wounded will, will experience the restorative power of being part of this body. God, I pray by your Holy Spirit you would bring this about in this body of believers so that you might be magnified and glorified so that the unity that Christ prayed for might happen in this body so that others may know that we are indeed Jesus' people, that our love will distinguish us our love for one another, and will be the emblem of our faith and the authenticity of our word. God, that you would grant this by your Holy Spirit so that many may come to know you and the body of Christ may be built up for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.